0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby Nefer, brand new to this show. The show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. On today's episode we brought on none other than j himself of the Unsummoned Skull. And we talked a lot about his life as a teacher as well as content creator and writer for EDH Rec. Um, Before we get into the interview, uh, let's get some announcements out of the way. Uh, you can find this show on all podcast platforms available out there. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, everywhere. Everywhere you can find a podcast, this show is here. You can also find it on YouTube if you search Magic with Zuby on YouTube.com. Or I think my channel now is YouTube.com slash Magic Something like that. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes below. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Magic with Zuby, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby, and on TikTok at MTGZuby. And you can email me with any questions you may have at MTGZubi at gmail.com. And you can check out my sponsors, Cardsphere.com, the best place to buy, trade, and sell your Magic singles and sealed product. Or... You can check out my other sponsor, Alter Sleeves, and use promo code MagicWazubi on checkout, or use the link in at MagicWazubi.com as well. So I do want to tease something a little bit, and something I'm going to be announcing later this month. I've got something new brewing up um, as far as some merch. I've got some new merch brewing up right now, and holy shit! Hopefully, I get it ready for this month, but. Y'all are going to love this. All right. I, 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 can't, I can't give any more info other than that, but y'all are going to love this merch. It's freaking amazing. But anyways, uh, let's get on with the interview, and please help me welcome my guest, j All right, yeah. Zuby here, and I have with me the one, the only, the Unsummoned Skull, uh, Coach J-Ro, with me here to talk about him, his content creator life. And his EDH rec articles, your podcast, you're you're doing it all. Um, how's it going, man? Thank you.
1: It's going pretty well, thanks. Uh, when I get immersed in something, I do it completely and in every way I can. And so, how
0: long have you been? You haven't been at this for very long, have you? Um, for the content creator,
1: or or how long have you been doing it? Pretty much since the pandemic. I uh, I started when. Uh, <clears throat> A bit of an interesting uh, start. Uh so Channel Fireball did a an online command fest right near the beginning of COVID. Yep, June, I about that. two years ago. And I was one of the people who got a feature match. Oh nice. Um so Sheldon shivam and uh, Nelson Salahook.
2: <clears throat>
1: and the uh so the deck tech that I made for myself, like the Mini deck tech, I really had no idea what I was doing, but I made one about an immersive deck, an th- immersive theme deck uh, that was Night of the Living Museum. Okay. So the idea was that every card in the deck was capable of being animated in some way and becoming a creature, either by my doing something, or in most cases, like with the hidden and veiled enchantments, when the opponent does something. Yeah. <clears throat> So it really felt like they were walking into the uh, the different uh, traps and uh, exhibits at the museum and setting them to life as they did. Well, that's cool. So it was a lot of fun. I wound up winning that game. And at that point, I decided to create my own setup. Um, <clears throat> that game was particularly chaotic because I had to make my own setup on short notice <laughs> because I didn't know how to spell table. <clears throat> So, um, uh, my rig at the time was an overturned, uh, plastic container, <laughs> uh, two boxes with books, uh, with a, uh, duct taped, uh, selfie stick and nice. <clears throat> my phone without being plugged in. I wound up winning with my phone at
0: 1%. Awesome.
1: <laughs> uh, since, uh, When I started streaming and I wanted to do some more commander content, I got in a longer cord for my phone so I could keep it plugged in and keep it on there. So I wouldn't run out of charge and get in that awful, awful scenario. But I also ran into the issue of, well, I still live with my parents. uh, So I'm working on getting out of that situation, but I, uh, sometimes would need to use my phone and it couldn't be a phone if it was also being a webcam. Yeah. So I eventually subbed out the phone for a webcam and that's my current setup. And <laughs> it really hasn't changed much since then. Well, nice. Uh, but yeah, uh, initially when I got into content creation, I was streaming Arena because that was what I kind of knew, what I could find tutorials for, but it was it was kind of lonely. Um,
0: yeah, it definitely gets lonely.
1: <clears throat> when you're streaming arena, there's not much of an audience and uh, it really doesn't feel like you're playing against anybody either because there's no communication with the opponent. So <clears throat> it got back to, in my, so in terms of my mental health journey, it got back to some of the negative feelings that I used to associate with video games really weird i'm a i'm a streamer i have all these different associations with gaming and yet for quite a while i hated video games
0: i mean i think that (laughs) happens to anybody it's i've gone through those phases
1: i hated them in particular because they um, be mostly one player games and i would like go over to a friend's house and they would play the game and maybe they would hand me their controller but for the most part it was just watching people play yeah and that for me wasn't really all that fun. Um, so, when it was just me alone playing, it just didn't feel worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's when I decided you know what? I'm going to focus on multiplayer games uh, Commander, Oathbreaker. I'm making my new format called Arsenal. Because that way, even if nobody's watching, I know at least three people are there.
0: Yeah, and they're at least having some fun too. Yeah.
1: Um, the, when I started streaming, the games weren't always, uh, uh, so weren't always nice and balanced. Uh, there was a particular server that was free to play that had their own moderation, but the moderation didn't necessarily work every time. Uh, I'm not going to use then the name because I don't want to slander anybody or anything like that, but
0: that, does it go, say, does it go, does it rhyme with schme shmeedy <laughs>
1: Uh, and, well suffice it to say uh, <clears throat> not every, uh, so some of the games were imbalanced there were some things that I learned and uh, honestly that's a bit of where the unsummoned skull moniker comes from um, it comes from me loving the card on summon and using it for a variety of different purposes including sometimes for crew hug purposes um, but I wanted to. I uh, started reaching out to different groups and different servers to see if I could find a group of people that were like minded, casual, and just wanted to play fun pickup games. <clears throat> and that brought me to a number of different servers, including yours. And I eventually created my own called The Skull Symbol. There's actually a game going on in there right now. Nice. <laughs> not with me, of course, because I'm, I'm not I'm double kiwi. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, uh, So, I created the skull symbol server, initially what I would do is just put out on Twitter uh, the picture of the skull symbol and LFG, (laughs) and that was kind of hit and miss. I kept having to copy and paste that into different servers, and sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. I would also have to continually check a bunch of different servers and I would start to get anxious when it was getting close to the time. So when I made my own server, I also made uh, sign up spreadsheets. So I have people signing up for games in advance. If somebody does decide they can't make it, I have a server full of people who are able to fill in. Yeah. And I know and vet these people, so I understand about the level that they're playing at and things are gonna be fine.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. You've been, um, that's about how old now? Cause it feels like you've been growing that community for a little bit now, at least over a year, right?
1: Uh, about a year actually. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it was I think it's about a year and a half now. Okay. I was a little anxious before starting it because I wasn't sure I was ready for the time suck that modern, the modding would have. And at times it has uh, been difficult.
0: Yeah, um, it can sometimes.
1: Well, the fact that I have four jobs certainly affects that.
0: <laughs> Dang, four jobs? <laughs> um, what are, what are teacher, you doing?
1: Tutor, I'm a teacher, tutor, college professor, and uh, staff writer for EDHREC.
0: Well, yeah, I know, I know about the EDHREC one. So you're
1: mm-hmm.
0: teacher, tutor, and professor? Yeah. How, how does that work?
1: <laughs> My full-time job is being a teacher. Uh, okay. So I teach at a virtual school right now because I still live with my two parents who are both uh, at risk or uh, high risk for COVID, so I can't easily go in person. Um, and I, so I teach at a virtual school. That's my full-time job. I tutor. I Right now, I tutor for a company that has me go in for usually four to six hours after school is over. I also tutor weekends and over the summer. Okay. I'm in the process of switching to a different one that would allow me to set my own hours and would have a slightly higher pay rate, which is part of what's necessary to have me move out. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I am a college professor for Madonna University, um, where I teach statistics as well as different education-related classes and workshops. I've been teaching there for a few years now. My mom actually teaches there too, and we have co-taught some classes and workshops. Well, that's cool. <clears throat> Usually my best memory as a teacher, although there've been a lot of them and I've bounced from school to school. My favorite memory in terms of like being a teacher to professor and such has been, there was one Mother's Day when we got to teach together.
0: Oh, that's sweet. That's awesome.
1: <clears throat>
0: oh. That's cool. So, how do you find the time to do anything else?
1: <laughs> well, that has to do with being organized and segmenting things. And there was, a, I, I took some time off from streaming recently. I took about two to three months off uh, <clears throat> just because I was having difficulty balancing. And my teaching job has different requirements than my job did the year before. <clears throat> so, the previous year, my teaching job. Um, was primarily clerical. Okay. I would have office hours, but it was mostly keeping tabs on students uh, and sending out routine things and paperwork and such. This job, I have to, or I had, uh, in, uh, not in-person classes, but live sessions that I would have to plan and execute. <clears throat> so I had to be in a certain place at a certain time, which was a little different from the previous year. Okay. Uh, but otherwise, uh, using spreadsheets, using uh, Google Calendar, trying to keep everything in check and give everything its own place. Um, that actually has been a little bit of a, a difficult thing in terms of giving everything its own place. Used to yeah. be chef mise en Passe, right? Uh,
2: <clears throat>
1: but I and uh, now have a significant other. Um, and one of the things that we've had to work out and talk about is, is she, uh, am I sort of working her in and giving her a place or is she being integrated properly into the other things that I do? Yeah,
0: that is, that's a tough one, man. I've been married. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Uh, going on 13 years and mm-hmm. even 13 years, we've been together 16 it's um yeah that's always a struggle no matter how long you're together with someone especially Mm -hmm. as life gets crazier and crazier and (laughs) so yeah it's always trying to make sure you know even if you have to schedule time it's my wife and I will at least once a month try to go out on a date but now that the kids Mm -hmm. are getting older it's getting a bit easier though at least to be able to go out more
1: Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I built into my uh, streaming is every other Saturday. Uh, we do two headed giant together. That's nice. So in addition to uh, having them on some of my other streams and the, the more regular weekday ones, there's one that's just special. Me and them uh, as a team, which that's always awesome. feels nice.
0: Yeah, my my wife used to <clears throat> play EDH. I can't I can't get her to play Magic anymore. She. Just has no interest in it. All she would ever play was slivers. She would never want to play (laughs) anything else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a sliver hole there. Anyways.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, um. Uh, No, but that's awesome, though. Yeah, I don't know how you do that. Like, being teacher. Like, basically having four jobs. That's crazy. I've got one. (laughs) And that takes up so much of my time. Um, But one thing I wanted to ask with your teaching um has it how long have you been doing virtual for is it only been since the pandemic or
1: yeah um so when the pandemic hit I had been in the same job for three years okay <laughs> and I've been teaching for ten and it's uh I've been teaching for ten years now I've been teaching for about seven years from the pandemic hit um it's difficult to uh I don't know so, when the pandemic hit, I had to switch from in-person to online, which I can do pretty, pretty well because my master's in, is in instructional design and technology. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, it wasn't that difficult for me to flip from one to the other. Um, what was difficult was um, for those first seven years, I bounced around from district to district. Oh, okay. And I had finally found a school that was willing to have me back. Um, that really liked me. I felt welcomed. Um, <clears throat> I really liked it there. Um, I'm getting a little frequent here, Uh You're fine. Uh, Jewish, by the way. <laughs> 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 getting for It's a little bit like, but <laughs> but. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, so I wound up having to leave that position after three years, and I was working primarily with freshmen and sophomores. So this would have been the first graduating class I'd have seen from freshmen to graduation. And because uh, I wound up having to leave for this and they didn't have a graduation that was recorded, I didn't even get to share in that
0: oh that stinks
1: but i i love teaching at that school and then i went virtual to the position that was more clerical then i went to the uh, current position which is uh, which is more direct interaction okay. interesting it's almost like streaming my mom keeps questioning how i can do it but it's almost like streaming i teach a lesson to a, a group that primarily interacts via chat
0: yeah yeah, what 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 grade is it that you're teaching for school?
1: Uh, it's, it's technically credit recovery, so it's anywhere in the high.
0: In, in the high, um, what you broke out there? In in high school. Okay, okay, high school,
1: okay. So it's somewhere between nine and twelve. Okay. Uh, nice. For the most part, these are so these are students who may have, say, missed a year because of COVID. Yeah. Some of them are people who are coming in from some other district or school or or state where things weren't done in the same order. Mm -hmm. So I teach world history and they're looking for a way to do a recovery for that if they haven't met the world history requirement of the state yet.
0: Okay, interesting. Interesting. So you mentioned before that you ended up jumping district to district before COVID. Uh, Why was that?
1: (laughs) Um... It was not of my own volition. Let me put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) It was because teaching is kind of mercurial. And sometimes it's... uh, We have a point eight position. And then later on, we... Well, our staffing needs have changed. Uh, Sometimes it was possibly messing something up that I didn't know. Um, For the most part, I'll never really know. I I know that I got effective evaluations everywhere I've been. Okay, Uh, And so... I don't think it's me <laughs> but it's it's the sort of thing where uh just like will Smith going don't you want me it kind of feels that way
0: <laughs> yeah I I know nothing about the world of teaching that that's something my whole family's in healthcare mm-hmm. so we, I've never had anybody in education except my uncle but I, I don't know mm-hmm. anything about it um sometimes you get lucky like my
1: mom taught in But in the current educational climate, the unions are getting weakened, Um, the teachers themselves are seen as kind of like a commodity, and there's not a lot of loyalty keeping them anywhere in particular.
0: Uh, That's definitely the thought process I feel, especially when I have to talk to my kids' schools, Um, Mm -hmm. especially my kids' middle school, it's like... Oh, man, especially during the pandemic. I felt so bad for those teachers. Just basically, like, my my oldest, her high school teachers were fine because, you know, kids are more mature that age and can handle the online schooling for the most part compared to my youngest. She was in fourth or fifth grade, and I can't even imagine what teachers trying to keep, you know, nine, ten-year-olds, you know, focused while at home. God. Yeah. Did you have to? Did you find any struggles like that or anything when you went to online?
1: Um. So, in terms of the initial switch from in-person to online, the issue was more with getting the technology to the students who needed it, because the school district I worked for was uh, low socioeconomic status. A lot of the students. uh, Depended on the school for technology, and the ninth grade students had computers that were assigned to them. But if there was an issue with the computer, nobody could help them. And uh, I also so this was a K twelve school that I taught at, but it was still a public school. But for the um, for the eighth grade students I had, they didn't have computers assigned to them. Uh, One of the things that I've been working to do the three years that I was there was I was writing tons and tons of grants for technology, for books, for anything I could do to make their lives better. Um, For tablets, anything. And I wound up getting them their own computers uh, through the grants that I wrote and through uh, connections that I was building within the district. And when they went online, all those computers were stuck in the school.
0: Oh, dang.
1: (laughs) Basically, I had procured a class set so they could work on computers. And there wasn't enough for each student to have their own. God, that's sad.
0: Especially when we went through something like that. Because I remember we had something similar here in my county where like you're saying it we aren't it's not exactly a low social economic county but you know obviously there are people that struggle um and i i remember the schools went through the same thing there were no computers to hand out and if you didn't have a computer at home then you're kind of sol you know you can't find anything then man it was some crazy times back then
1: so a cool little connection between what I had to do to convert things into online and some of my content creation is uh, when I had to convert things online, uh, about half my students were Hispanic. Uh, I speak Spanish fluently, even though I don't have a formal degree in it. I also taught it for a while, uh, including at that school. So when we moved fully online, what I would do is translate my lessons and record myself using uh, screen capture software, um, okay. both for the lesson itself and for the, uh, <clears throat> so, and for the directions to the assignments. And I would embed those into the slideshows that they'd be working on. How does that translate over to content creation? Well, I, f- I speak Spanish fluently. I also speak French fluently. So I as uh, so a, a new writer for EDH Tracker was filament. Uh, and so I managed to fill in Philemon uh, using French, and also I uh, got Philemon in, in, in touch with Neil Royal and Davy Jones, who are both uh, Quebecois, because I speak French.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's neat.
1: Uh, just weird little things like that that happen.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Just, and then also the benefits of knowing multiple languages.
0: So are those the three languages, you know, the English, French, and Spanish?
1: Uh, some Japanese as well. And there was a time when there were Japanese. Actually, I still have it on my keychain. They were from uh, Kusatsu when, uh, when I was in the previous uh, school, one that I was at for three years. And so I would teach the same lesson in English, Spanish, and
0: well, that's neat.
1: Just surprise every student with how I can talk that way. But actually, uh, I learned Japanese because one of my first uh, jobs was teaching for a um, teaching in parochial schools and for what's called a shared time program. Okay. So uh, within a certain public school district, they would contract out to a bunch of different schools. And so the same teacher would work in, like, seven or eight different schools. Uh, there was a time when I worked in five different schools in five different cities in the same day. Oh, wow. Basically taught out of my backpack. Uh, <laughs> Sounds one of like them it. Was a, one of them was a Japanese... ...where I was teaching computers. Okay. Now, I didn't know the grade. Um, so in terms of me being ambitious... Uh, I had heard, uh, my one of my long-term suppositions was coming to an end, and I wasn't sure if I was going to have consistent work again. So <clears throat> went into the shared time office to turn in my timesheet, and I heard them over the phone talking with somebody who, apparently this was over the winter, had slipped on her uh, driveway and broken her leg. I mean, yes, horrible for her, but in my mind, I was thinking, maybe, <laughs> maybe this will keep me out of the sub <laughs> So I wound up getting some of her positions, including this Japanese immersion school, which I thought was awesome until I realized she was an elementary teacher and I'm a uh... high school teacher. These were kindergartners who had only ever spoken Japanese oh man so they knew as much english as i knew japanese thankfully though i watched naruto <laughs> <laughs> why is that important well naruto Tail beast taught me how to count <laughs> how do teachers get attention three two one <laughs> so I how, how long did how you, you teach, teach there for Um. <laughs> uh, I think it was uh, picking up in February to the end of the year. So about four and a half months.
0: Interesting. Interesting. That's cool.
1: And over time, they pick things up and I picked. Things up, but, yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you, anime. <laughs> Save my butt there.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. No, that's really cool. Um, y- You know, speaking on teaching... And especially, especially with a lot of the discourse that is going on in the country with, you know, critical race theory, and um, especially in Florida's don't say gay bullshit, um, mm-hmm. where stuff can't be taught in class. Um, you, you know, has that, when you, with you teaching world history, um, has that affected you or your district at all?
1: I teach global perspectives on history. Uh, Or at least that's the way that I view it. And that's how I viewed it when I was teaching U.S. history at the previous school as well. Um, So what I try to do is present as non-biased of a view as possible. Because I know that world history is typically taught through a Eurocentric lens. So I try to to lay it out and have students draw their conclusions. Okay. Um, So for example... Uh, instead of just saying the Japanese bombed a and that's what got the US which vilifies the Japanese, I would explain what happened with the Japanese-US relations during the other periods of history. So the students can see the buildup of tension between the Japanese and the US, even if the US itself didn't see it.
0: Okay, interesting. You know, when you're teaching it like that, Um, like I said, this is someone ignorant of teaching period, Um, but I have to assume you have a curriculum based from the county or the state um, that you have to follow certain guidelines on?
1: The curriculum says I have to teach about Pearl Harbor and the U.S. involvement in World War II. I'm perfectly okay with teaching it from both perspectives. Okay. And what I do is I I just add in the the necessary details to plant the seeds of what's gonna be harvested later.
0: Okay. Okay, so you're not just so your teaching style then sounds like you're not just teaching what's gonna be on the test?
1: Well, I write the test.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I write the tests that make the whole class fail. I'm
0: Uh, so Uh, is, is that typical for most teachers that they have to write the test or, or is there sometimes where the state or County gives you these tests or how does that work?
1: The neat thing about not teaching language arts math is that anything that I do is going to be something that is not hugely focused on. Uh, so social studies and science have the benefit of not having as much oversight as uh, language arts or uh, math. Uh, so what my school cares about is that I'm teaching students critical reading theory. Where, oh, wow, that sounds terrible because um, it sounds way too close to the other thing. But yeah, critical reading, uh, so basically critical reading strategies um, <clears throat> so that they can do better in English because English is what the school's rated on, because that's what's on the Okay. So what they want to know is, after going through my class, so what I say is, hey, guess what? That means they can draw conclusions about the Japanese motivations, which, which is how I'm able to defend what I do.
0: Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Um, is that you pretty much have free reign over that throughout the whole year in terms of making the test?
1: Um, I They did have some things that previously existed. And so I try to honor what they already had, teach to the students that I have. Uh, there are some things where um, I have to cut some things because... Particular school that I teach at uh, operates at a faster rate because it's credit recovery. Okay. So there are some things that I cut, and there's there some things that kind of pay cut, but there are other things that I am able to add in as results that might speak to the students' experience a little bit more.
0: Okay. So so staying on world history here, when you're creating. The curriculum for the year um, at this point in your career are you still changing it up or you pretty much have it set in stone of what you're going to do for like each nine weeks or each semester how does that work
1: um, well again I've been bouncing around so I'm trying to settle in hoping that this year I don't have to reinvent the wheel and I can focus uh, more closely on developing the relationships with students, unlike last year where I was having to design the curriculum, write the tests and such. Um, I still need to do a little bit of work over the summer with regards to uh, adjusting some of the lessons to make them better, maybe adjusting some of the quizzes to make slightly lower. um, It's called DOK or depth of knowledge level, Um, because that's one of the things that was requested of me. I I would rather be too strict than dialect than start off too lenient and try to tighten up.
0: That makes sense. Okay. I understand that.
1: <clears throat> so I'm starting off a little too high level and I might need to loosen up a little.
0: Okay.
1: But I'm okay with that. Uh, if I'm being told that I'm too challenging, I'm okay with that, if I'm being told students are passing and they don't feel like they're having to work hard, I'm not. Okay. So one thing I'm working on is adjusting the level to be more appropriate for the students as well as making things a little bit more user friendly. The other thing to work on for me is coming up with different ways to assess students that other than just tests and quizzes. The reason why I use the tests and quizzes as a base is because uh, the tests and quizzes that I write are very similar to the ACT and SAT-style questions. Okay. I do this because I've been tutoring. uh, So when I mentioned a tutoring company for four to six hours a night, uh, I'm usually tutoring uh, the SAT or strategies to help students do better on the SAT. I have been immersed in these questions for about 10 years now.
0: Makes sense, because it gets hard to try to detach yourself from that kind of style of questioning.
1: I'm not necessarily wanting to detach myself from my students. Uh, So when I'm working with these students, they're the types of questions that are about SAT level. And what I do is we go through those questions in class, and then they do those same questions for a quiz later. Um, And I use the polling feature to make sure that they're paying attention. I also insert those questions right after the slide in which the information appeared. So when they're going back to the, the quizzes later, they know exactly where to find the answer.
0: Okay, interesting. Interesting. So with it being all online, too, um, or especially what you're doing now, has that changed? Has that made things easier for you or harder for when it comes to, like, keeping grades up or anything like that? Um, Infinitely easier. Oh, yeah. To
1: deal with people not turning things in. (laughs)
0: Uh, Not having to read people's handwriting, too, or?
1: Yeah, there was a time when I was, uh, when... Uh, there was only one student who brought paper to write on, and that one student happened to use hot pink paper. Nice. So everybody wrote on hot pink paper, and I awesome. had to use sunglasses when I was checking it. Otherwise, it really hurt.
0: <laughs> I, I guess a lot. I guess nowadays, I mean, besides it even being online, um, I guess a lot of stuff is all digital now in schools, isn't it? Or
1: Especially, yes, like, in um, the older grades? Yeah. Uh, so, is everything digital? Yeah, a lot of things are going towards digital, and people usually have some semblance of technology that can be used.
0: Yeah, I, I can only... God, thank God they didn't have smartphones when I was in school. I would have failed so miserably. And thank God cuz my kids' our county has a website where I can log in and see every single bit of work <laughs> that my kids have done. Yeah. And thank God my parents never had something like that when I was in school cuz I would have been mm-hmm. Oh, I would have been grounded so much even though you know I passed and all that, but still, especially in middle school, I was a horrible kid in middle school.
1: I was kind of similar. Um, so my sister got straight A's and went to Michigan, or went to the University of Michigan, and <clears throat> was kind of like the golden kid. <laughs> yeah. I got B's and C's and went to Central. Uh, I yeah, got but you got your master's degree. That's
0: n- that's nothing to sneeze at, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, I still live with my parents, so it's it's doing a lot of good. Eh? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs>
0: it's I've got a 18 almost 19 year old and I don't see her leaving anytime soon it's just freaking crazy just trying to live on yeah. your own nowadays it's
2: mm.
0: it's like my, my my dad tells me stories like how he moved out as soon as he was like 17 18 only paying like 80 bucks a month in rent like yeah that was back in 1970 something
1: alright <laughs> yeah you also don't know how much he was making so could be similar
0: Probably some minimum wage
1: job he had.
0: <laughs> Probably,
1: but whatever. Um, well, it still could have been tight, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I know everybody has their own problems. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. It, it, <laughs> but it, it's it's not easy nowadays. I mean, it's friggin' tough.
1: Mm-hmm. I haven't, and i been working to set this up for a while. Eventually, it'll happen. But for right now, everything I own.
0: Yeah, I mean, Hopefully it doesn't
1: look too bad on there.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's fine. No, but I mean, that's just life. It's it happens, it's, you know. But now it sounds like you've got a lot of good stuff going for you in terms of just teaching. You know, it's pretty admirable that you're still doing it, and you know, because it's something that it's a lot of times the thankless job that needs to get done, and yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the way teachers are treated in this country is absolutely abhorrent. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I don't know. It's just, I, I I respect people who can stick with it because damn, I don't know how I'd, I'd go crazy having to deal with kids like that all the time. Snotty (laughs) teenagers and hormonal teenagers. And yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good.
1: (laughs) I can see that.
0: Yeah. So, um, getting into back a little bit into content creation here, you are now an EDH rec writer, which congrats on that. That's no Thank small you. accomplishment, you know, cause EDH rec is like the number one EDH site that people go to pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me how, how'd you manage to get that?
1: Um, persistence was really the thing. Um, <clears throat> Persistence in developing an online presence. Uh, somebody taking a chance, which is all anybody really needs, right? Um, yeah. But essentially, what happened was uh, so I uh, I applied before I started doing competition, uh, about a year before the pandemic, and I, I I submitted one idea, and I never really heard back. And I, honestly, I felt a little hurt. But I mean there's a lot of things that are going to slip through the cracks and they probably have a lot of people apply. Um, so I tried again, I think it was last summer in June and I actually got to the point where I could submit different ideas. So I figured if I have someone's ear, I might as well talk it off.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Worst thing they can do is say, you know what? We don't like any, but if I do a scatter shot like that, there's bound to be something. Yeah. And there was, uh, thankfully. So I wrote a practice article and then after that, it took a few months for me or anything, but I was persistent. Uh, I sent an email roughly every two to three weeks just to check in, see how things were going. Um, and when that happens, when I do that, I don't usually directly say, okay, how are things going? Am I moving along? Uh, have you forgotten about me? Things like that. But I usually say, okay, how's it going? How's life treating you? Uh, how's, how, how's the workload? Everything okay over there? Things like that. Showing that you care about them is going to give a lot more likelihood to getting something that you want than like making demands or pressing them for information, even if that's kind of the subtle thing that you do, yeah. So, eventually, I got the first article published. I think there was, a, was the, first, the first one, I'll have to look back and see exactly. Yeah,
0: I think you're right because I was taking a look at some of them. Uh, So the century was in December. Yeah, because Locust God was your first one.
1: one. Yep. First article was Locust God November 4th. Mm -hmm. And this process started in June. So it took, what, about five months?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, well, hey, you got it, though.
1: Uh, So I got that published. I also got a set review. Uh, Trying to, so that that was uh, when I, when somebody gives me, or somebody takes a chance on me, try to do everything possible I can. Um, Sometimes it's a little overbearing or overwhelming in their case, because I was already working four jobs and was having some difficulty making the the deadlines that they had for me, (laughs) um, because I was overwhelming myself. He said, come on, take a deep breath, take a breath, take it easy. You don't have um, one of the, the bigger things that I was told was you don't have to prove yourself here. You already did that. That was an important thing for me to hear because I'm used to constantly having to prove yourself. Yeah. Especially with being a teacher. <clears throat> because you get observed every year and evaluated every so anytime somebody's there you can prove yourself <clears throat> but that was a big thing for me to hear was you we have a job for you because we like you awesome something that we wanted and we took it
2: <clears throat>
1: so there's no need to feel like you need to do something else you already did
0: Well, that's nice of them to say that. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. it's important to hear that.
1: hmm Yeah. Uh, so, that article series uh, is a lot of fun to write. I'm actually possibly going to be switching to a new series. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if this one's going to continue uh, or when that will continue, but I got 15 articles in on it, so let's a pretty good start nice uh, so that's so the series is called these cards do Work." i, I really like that series because it's important to understanding the shifts that i made as a deck builder when i moved online so when i was just playing with my buddies i didn't really care did the thing uh and i didn't really have a set formula or ratio or anything like that Mm-hmm. but but when, when my decks are on stream every week, I want them to do the thing. And then I can figure out whether the thing's fun or not. Yeah. But I don't want uh, to make this crazy idea and just have it
0: Make a crazy idea the, and do what again?
1: Have it flop.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Can this work? it turns out no. <laughs> it's probably not something that people want to watch <laughs> yeah,
0: that's <laughs> yeah that's one thing I've noticed yeah that's one thing I've noticed That that changed my perspective on deck building was when I started streaming EDH or start guesting on people's streams more was mm-hmm. even though I have my really powerful decks you know sometimes they aren't always the most stream friendly because either the games can be over quickly or really boring um mm-hmm and always trying to pack a deck with, you know, 10 counter spells or 10 board wipes doesn't make for a fun stream sometimes.
1: Well, that's uh, and that's where the ratio... I mentioned that I'm a college professor professor of statistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not yet at Frank Kirsten level, but I don't think anybody else is. <laughs> um... The with the crazy statistics and such. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, I've read his but... articles
0: a bunch on Channel
1: Fireball. <laughs> yeah, same here. Uh, but what I do like is using statistics in Commander because it's a 100 format, so the odds are fairly easy to... Because the odds of anything will be some number over 100 because there's other... a... <laughs> yeah. Slightly higher because uh, commander, but because the commander is not part of the the shuffling process. But still, um, if you want to make sure that you're drawing certain things at certain times. Okay.
0: Yeah, no, no, I'm fine. Sorry. No problem. (laughs) Had had to try to stifle a yawn. Uh, Uh, No problem. It's been a long day. (laughs) Um, Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I tutor full time over the summers.
0: Oh yeah! Now so, this is my first day back at work, um, because nice. I had a little bit of vacation, or got mm-hmm. to travel, and all that, and then um, and then back to the work grind.
1: Hey, mm-hmm. well, you mentioned events, event semi recently? Right? Yep,
0: yeah, I had to go to Las Vegas for work, and I was there the same weekend that Command Fest Vegas was, but I couldn't go. <laughs> I I I could not go, and I was there for work. Um,
1: but there was one I think that you did get to go to.
0: Yes, Command uh, Fest, Philly
1: Enrichment? No, no, Philly. Or, you went to Philly, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, trend food.
0: To... Yeah, that was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Okay. Nice.
0: Yeah, I I want to try to go to the Magic Thirty um, for Vegas, mm-hmm. um, if I can swing the budget. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I may have to sell mm-hmm. off some cards and all that. Yeah
1: there was an outside chance i might have been able to but that's coming up i think next weekend so that's not happening but what, what would have to have happened would be that i'd have to make out first yeah that hasn't happened yet yeah. uh, back to where i we uh so the article series so the article series is broken down itself is broken down into the categories that i use when i'm building a deck um, so when I'm building a deck using what I call my red eye method, I call it the red eye method because this uh, something I created near the so near when I was winding down as a streamer before taking a break, um, because just like red eye gravy in the south, uh, something that you have to wake yourself up.
0: <laughs> I've never heard that and, term, even though I'm uh, even though I'm. Well, I'm not really in the south. I'm in central Florida, so it's not really southern. It's not southern enough.
1: Red Eye gravy is uh, basically a great with a coffee. Okay. So it's basic it's kinda of soul food, but it also coffee to keep you up.
0: Okay.
1: It's usually used like after hangovers. So my red eye method is making a deck that can that because of the ratios, basically runs itself. And then choosing a commander or creating a strategy that is linear enough where you don't have to do a lot of thinking. It's not that you can't do a lot of thinking, but the idea behind it, commander's already complicated. There are so many decisions to make and trees and interacting with opponents and stuff. So this is an attempt to simplify it as much. Okay. And the method is to start off 40 lands. Seems like a lot, but you don't want to miss the first the first three. If you're missing any of your first three land drops, you're probably not going to. Unless people are just the kind of letting you. So... 40 lands, 30 basics, and non basics. Uh, within those non basics, I usually put an emphasis on utility instead of mana, unless some three or four colors. Okay. Uh, so, the mana base, relatively simple, relatively cheap, allows for quick deck building. Um, then the ramp, ramp or mana fixing, so ten ramp or mana fixings, because you want at least one of those in your opening hand or first three cards you draw. Okay. What when else? There's ten of something. Roughly, you're pretty likely to get one in your opening hand, or first three cards, and ramp is something you need pretty early. Uh, spot removal. So. This can, so this uh, usually be, because of the, I try to have it be things that also have synergy with what else, with what everything else is doing. So, for example, in my Locust God deck, the synergy related spot removal would be Arcane, because it's like negate except it also draws cards so you could use negate as your spot removal but arcane denial is probably better at that spot because it does the job and does something with your commander
0: Okay, makes sense
1: Uh, mass removal Uh, I I call it mass removal but it's mass or just anything that gets rid of more than one thing so I would even consider like run away together to be multi-removable. Okay. And run away together is something that I use. I have a deck called Kaza's uh, Xerox machine, where I'm just copying everything. So run away together with say uh, Mirari out is actually really nice because I can then copy the run away together and just bounce four things. That makes sense kinda of build my own cyclonic rift if I want <laughs> and yet still leave certain things untouched. Yeah. It's the nasty thing I mean the thing the thing about Cyclonic Rift is it takes everybody. Yep. The thing about Runaway together with Mirari is control who you tick off.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You can even use it to protect your own stuff, which is again from. Yeah. And someone can be used to protect your stuff. and there's card draw or again 10 of those just because it's a good number and you usually want one in so by the time you're a few a few turns in you should have been playing things on time most of the things in your hand should be out and then you're looking to refill.
0: Okay, I don't know if you gave a number for like the the ramp or no, not the ramp, um the mass removal or spot removal.
1: Yeah. Well, this depends a bit, on and some flexibility uh, in terms of how you define these things helps to determine that. Okay. So I will usually say it's 10 of each. Uh, so, 10, so 10 ramp, 10 spot removal, 10 mass removal, 10 card draw, and then 20 wind conditions or general synergy. So, those cards where you're like, okay, all these things are nice with my commander, that's where that goes. Because, ideally speaking, you want your deck to function without your commander. Somebody might oobly at it. If the commander tax might be too high for you. It might be a little mana screw. Your deck needs to function as a deck without the commander. You do want things to get better with the commander out, but they can't just be dead without the commander like arcane denial without a locust god out is still an arcane denial
0: yeah makes sense that's an interesting method I've never really heard that before I mean I've seen other kind of deck building guides like that but I may have to try that out because 40 lands right off the bat seems like a lot I think I don't I think the only deck I even have that has 40 or more lands would be like my Omnath, Locus of Rage deck.
1: I do have a couple um, that are 60. I actually have three now that are 60 lands, but that's because they specifically require them. Yeah. But most decks need... Uh, But having a lot of card draw or working card draw into other things like... uh, this is an arcane lighthouse. No, not that arcane lighthouse, but there's <clears throat> uh the basically like working card draw into uh desolate lighthouse. That's it. Oh, okay. Um, so if you're a blue-red deck and you want to get through the glut of lands, you can put in. I can tell you, I have. I don't believe I've ever lost a game commander to mana flood. I have lost a ton to mana screw.
0: Makes sense. So you haven't you never lost a game to mana flood, but lost a ton of mana screw. Yeah, I mean that's. Shit, that's like any format. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Well, commander in particular will always give you something to do with blood. Uh, mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why that is, is because I've um, the majority of my commanders are relatively cheap. Uh, between two and four mana. Yeah. So if your commanders are between two and four, you play them out early, and then they die, and then you play them again and play them again and play them again, and then you wind up having to pay an increasingly high commander tax. But if you don't have the lands to pay that tax, then your commander shut off from you, and you're at the mercy of whatever you're going to draw. Nice. Nice. Um... If your deck's designed around a commander and only then you don't wanna be short on lands.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Which is your favorite EDH
1: deck? Well, just the thing, I've been going through a few different, uh, right now I am in what I call my kerosene and matches phase. Okay, explain. Which is a lot of fun. So I went through the red eye phase of, I want my decks to be straightforward. And I want them to do the thing every time. Uh, and I, because I want to be a better host, and I, I want my deck to basically just like auto run so that I can be more in the moment with decisions. So the kerosene and matches phase is uh, sort of group hug. Okay. But hugging only one specific uh, resource. Um, so, for example, <clears throat> I have Zira Aryan Turbo Draw, so Jund Turbo Draw. But I don't okay. give anybody any extra mana, any extra—I uh, don't give them any extra rec- uh, any extra mana, anything else that allows them to get rid of the cards in their hand any faster. And then it has every Storm Seeker variant in there, Oh, so nice. I help them draw cards. I use silent and Blood Effects, I have Underworld Dreams in there, and then I start just smacking them with storm seekers.
0: That's awesome. God, Stormseeker, that's a, that's a oldie <laughs> but a goodie right there.
1: Well, it's one of the ways that I can turn Unsummon...
0: <laughs> you can turn what?
1: Unsummon into a win condition.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so... That deck and that's uh, so a that deck and I have a Kami of the Crescent. Uh, that or the, the one's Blueburn, where it has uh, <clears throat> Ebony Owl Nitsuke for uh, the uh, owling mine combo.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, that was famous for, I mean, it was at the same pro tour as the famous uh, Lightning Helix flip they all got their butts kicked but still <laughs> it was a fun deck and it was one of the first decks that uh, so I as a, as a natural combo player looked at it and was like oh cool combo can compete dang oh, so, so wait, that,
0: that combo, happened in the pro tour that was the same
1: pro tour where Craig Jones had the lightning heal okay yeah I, I didn't see that one so, pro tour Honolulu in two thousand six. Oh, okay. so that was um, when I was making my put, or when I was, or sure that was when I was learning and started to come up with the dream of playing on the pro tour, which I did.
0: Oh, that's awesome! It,
1: yeah. it took a lot of work,
0: but yeah, that is I eventually got there. No small fee, That's hard.
1: Oh yeah. Um, but the Kami of the Crescent Moon deck and the uh, Zira Aryan deck used to be part of the same blue green burn deck. Simic Burn that I was kind of known for.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: But I built Zira, then I built Kami, then I realized it's anything that's any different. So <clears throat> I eventually took that, I took Simic Burn apart. Uh, the other deck that's in that same grouping is um, I have a Clothis. Oh, I we'll have a couple of decks that would be considered close to that, but Clothis is one where I was looking to hug a different resource. So that one has mana doublers and damage doubl- and damage multipliers. Okay. Uh, so my last game with that mana was uh, quadrupled and damage was sextupled.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That sounds wonderful. Then
1: I, then I cast a Giant simulating Inferno.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing. So Clovis I love it.
1: Enchantress.
0: Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. It's like one of the reasons why I love playing my Torbrand punishment deck where I just get all the punishment cards and Torbrand and double dam- damageers out so use that mana barbs and Take like five damage each time you tap a land.
1: I believe that uh, that was in an earlier version. There, cutting room for it, because I'm making some adjustments. I, I am about to make a couple adjustments to it. Okay. But <clears throat> I, well, one of the cool things is as I'm making adjustments to decks, and as people on the server are, uh, every Wednesday I have streams that are work in progress Wednesdays. Okay. So that'll be tomorrow, actually. Uh, we're recording this on a, on a Tuesday. Yeah, tomorrow as of uh, the
0: recording, after when <laughs> this comes out, this it'll be long over.
1: Uh, well, I mean, hopefully I'm still doing it. every Wednesday. But um, th- those are really fun streams because we don't try to balance power level at all. <laughs> as weird as that may sound, we don't okay. even ask about that. Um, we do still have pre and post game rule zeros, but what we ask about in those rule zeros are, okay, what are some of, so what are you looking to test in the that? What are some of the concerns you have about it? And then the post game, what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? What changes would you make? And then for the people who played them, uh, what suggestions would you give to that person? That really feels like community.
0: Okay. So okay, so this work in progress thing that it's you essentially playing EDH with other people and just sort of playtesting stuff that you all have built or
1: Yeah, it's everybody playtesting a deck that's at some degree of uh, refinement.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: Some of the some of them uh, the deck is pretty much finished but we're trying to figure out if it's fun or not. Uh, like, I have a Dragon's Approach, uh, Neheb Dragon's Approach, and, and my question was, okay, does me playing this deck pretty much just get me killed? Okay. Am I ever going to be able to untap with uh, Dragon's Approach with Neheb and still have Neheb out in the post-combat yeah. main phase? Or is this just too um, too risky of an idea?
0: Yeah. Yeah, is it too oppressive or something like that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah all my streams are themed. In, um, uh, although sometimes we, we, we still do pickup games in the server, but my streams are themed where there's Tribal Tuesday, Work in Progress Wednesday, Oak Breaker Thursday, and then date night too, had a giant every other Saturday.
0: Oh, nice, nice. Um, Before we start wrapping up here, I wanna ask you about your podcast, um, Quote of Arms. Um, So how long have you been doing that? What's the, you know, the inspiration behind that? And and just talk about it some more.
1: So Quote of Arms started with um, really just me bringing something up during a stream a couple of times Man, wouldn't that be cool if there was a podcast called that? And then eventually people saying, well, just do it. (laughs) And also a little bit of me wanting to actually dedicate myself to something. Because um, I get kind of nervous, and and I don't always stick through my start. Um, So this is something where I kind of wanted to challenge myself and if I could stick with it, yeah. So, this has been going on. Uh, the first episode was May sixth of two uh, thousand twenty-one. So it's, been, it's over been over a year, a year now. now.
0: Yeah, congrats on that. Oh,
1: thank you. Uh, we're nearing fifty episodes. Although I have more than fifty recorded. Uh, some of the people who have been on there include uh, <clears throat> Sheldon Menery, Ashlyn, Lewis, uh, Anomaly. Jeffrey Palmer from Living Cards, um, yeah, a number of relatively big names on there as well as just other people. No, uh, Jeremy Knowles been on, which is particularly awesome. awesome because uh, Noel is somebody that I've known since college. We actually went oh, to really? the same university and played at the same LGS. Oh, cool! Yeah,
0: hey, I think I've met him once at some SCG event back in the day before Magic Fest I was and about all that. <laughs>
1: sounds about right.
0: Yeah. I think um, he I, I think he was the one who asked me, like, had, had I ever seen Commander Versus? And I'm like, no, should I? And he <laughs> just like, yeah, you need to go watch I'm like, okay. That, that, yeah, that, that's, that's, back, that's back when, <laughs> I mean, I played Commander, but I didn't really care too much about it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I was more interested in Modern and Legacy at the time.
1: Yeah, I, I learned Commander from him as well. Um, actually, this was... So, I started playing Commander when Jason Mindsculpt did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I saw Jason Mindsculpt, uh, or what I didn't understand was that they also changed the rule about uh, timing and uh, whether or not players can uh, hold priority after a Planeswalker's cast. So, my initial thought of Jason Mindsculpt was oh, nice, he's four mana to eat a bolt. Then I realized they retain priority. Lightning bolt never kill him, and yeah, yeah, you have to wait for them to zero, so they'll always get value out. Um, yep. When I realized that, and that basically that buying wins at that point, I just wasn't interested anymore and there was basically no competitive that i could play because it it was going to take over everything uh so i saw a bunch of people playing commander and getting a table set up in the back room they would play between 8 and 16 people basically combat was almost worthless and we would just go until somebody infinite combo
0: yeah, I remember those days of playing with huge pods of table or or huge table pods. Um yep.
1: huge tracts of land.
0: Yeah. Um so so what was the inspiration uh so you told me the inspiration of Quote Arms um based, basically based on your stream and then bringing more people um, on there.
1: It's interesting. Quote of Arms was the opposite. So it was, it was based on something said in my stream. But- okay. Quote of Arms inspired me to have a Tribal Night.
0: Inspired to have, um, have what? A Tribal Night. Okay, okay, Tribal Night.
1: Yep. Uh, so Tribal Tuesdays come from the uh, podcast. Okay. So the Quote of Arms podcast is this idea that uh, the reason why it's called Quote of Arms, the Coat of Arms card I really liked was... Uh, I, I like what Coat of Arms does because it makes it so that People coming together makes each other stronger. It doesn't matter who owns it. It doesn't matter who owns the coat of arms. It doesn't matter who owns the creature. We make each other stronger. Um, so if somebody just loves goblins, so about goblins, they recognize somebody else likes them, and they got some cool ideas for tech. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, some of them are more obscure. I did an episode about sirens. As, as a tribe.
0: You said sirens? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't really. There's really not a whole lot of sirens anymore, is there?
1: No, but that was the cool thing that that episode is. A, you can um, take an undersupported tribe and build around them and create a deck that has the flavor of that tribe.
0: Yeah. I, I told um, when I met Gavin at Command Fest Philly, I told him he needs to make more flag bearers. We need flag bearer tribal.
1: <laughs> yeah, we also need uh, somebody commander to flag, right?
0: Yeah, and then we also need um banding to come back. Make a comeback. Mm. They brought phasing back. Come on, let's bring banding. We got this.
1: Yeah, especially if they're able to give it um, simpler reminder text, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Anything they could do to lower the barrier of entry game, yeah.
0: Do it. Don't be afraid, wizards. <laughs> no, but that's cool. Well, to, to wrap things up here... Um, I want to thank you for coming on. It, it was great talking with you. I, I had really interesting time talking with especially the teacher stuff, because I don't know anything about that. Um mm-hmm. it's I always like learning about stuff I don't really know much about. Um so before we wrap it up here, uh do you want to give any shout-outs or or shout out your stuff? You know, where people can find you, anything like that?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I am on Twitter at Coach underscore J underscore O. Coach comes from the fact that I used to play and coach football, one of the state championship. It's uh, a fun time as a coach. You uh, <clears throat> can find my streams at twitch.tv backslash Unsummoned Skull. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, am on, so I run the Skull Symbol Discord. I have the Quote of Arms podcast on mo- most uh, major... Uh, places but additionally an acre and I have a YouTube channel where I'm starting to uh, slide over the uh, Quote of Arms podcast into a visual format with the help of Crow from uh, Children of Alara which is a group that I'm part of as well um, and that yeah, is a, so that's a, that's a fun work in progress as well. That's cool. To uh, so slide it over into the visual format
0: yeah it's um it's not easy it's my youtube channel barely does anything compared to my audio because i've been audio first forever. but i have a mm. few dedicated people who only watch video they refuse to watch or listen to my audio so it's pretty much i only have the youtube channel for them
1: nice <laughs> i've been working on building the youtube i have some ideas for uh short form content but it kind of makes me a little anxious because everything has to be captured within a minute
0: yeah and, and uh, time too like I just don't have the time to really do much of any other kind of content
1: well yeah and that's the sort of thing where people don't realize just thought and planning goes into one minute like that
0: <laughs> yeah that too
1: and really the anxiety part
0: Yeah, for sure. No
1: like, no like ums or throat clearing or. Anything.
0: Yeah, that sometimes do. <laughs> I I still do the ums and us and don't even realize it, but eh, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> so, all right. Anything else you need want to shout out before we wrap it up?
1: Um, <clears throat> I'll shout out the folksy. Um, so some of the, uh, so I have some frequent collaborators. Uh, so on my skull symbol, uh, I have uh, Elder Cleric Seraph6 is, uh, awesome. is awesome. Is awesome helping with moderation, uh, as well as uh, Zynum. Uh, so Zynum has uh, been a friend since basically I started one of the is uh, one of the moderators on the constantly reminds me to get some sleep.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is important.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh will probably laugh when he because it's a run gag. Yeah. <laughs> that I try to help people get games together when they're looking and such and sometimes people to ping the role. And so like two or three in the morning I'm telling them. Yeah, you're paying the roll. Then Zynum says, "Get some sleep."
0: Yeah, yeah, forget about it. Just sleep. I'm <laughs> gonna look for games. Just go on Spell Table or Magic Online.
1: <laughs> uh, What's happening? Is facilitating them even in bed? Yeah. Zayn on the West Coast, so he's two hours after. Yeah. so He can he can mess with that. <laughs>
0: yeah, for sure. All right. Well. I just want to thank you again for taking time out of your night for coming on the show and appreciate it. Just talking with me.
1: Absolutely. It's my honor.
0: Well, thank you. Um, Well, I hope you have a good night. Um, You know, good luck teaching and all that other good stuff and tutoring. And I hope you have a good one. All right. Absolutely. And to you. All right. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed listening and watching it. Um, thank you again, J-Ro, for coming on. I really appreciate you taking time out of your night to come on and chat with me. Um, and thank you all for listening, watching as normal. You're all great and amazing. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I've got some new merch that's being worked on. And holy shit, I've seen the logo design and the playmat design. Oh, my God. it's It's amazing. You're going to love it. Um. Thank you again. Check out my sponsors, Cardsphere and Alter Sleeves. Love you all. Good night.